0: Welcome to the CityDAO Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Gilbert Williams. CityDAO is exploring decentralized asset ownership on chain, starting with a simple piece of land purchased in Wyoming during 2021. Each parcel of land becomes an NFT that can be owned collectively by the DAO or by individuals just like you and me. CityDAO is a DAO. In other words, it's a decentralized autonomous organization, meaning that land governance, treasury, and other things, including this show you're listening to right now, are all managed by the community. Check out the FAQ at CityDAO.io to learn more, or check out the CityDAO Discord channel to get all the latest updates. Now let's get started with the show. So with us here today on the CityDAO podcast is the one, the only, our founder and visionary in the early days, putting this together out of nothing, the very first city being built on the Ethereum blockchain. I think it was two days after the Wyoming state laws were passed. This project started to take shape, and it's all because of today's guest,
1: Scott himself. Scott, how you doing, man? It's good. Yeah, thanks for having me. Wow, that was a very flattering intro. All I really did was, you know, publish a tweet. That's it.
0: Well, that's how it started. I think it's fair to say uh, the little avalanche starts with a little snowball, and in this case, the snowball was a tweet. And I mean, now there's we think maybe ten thousand citizens. Not sure exactly the quantities and how many people own one or two, but there's thousands of people nonetheless. There's global recognition, you could say. There's funds that have been raised. There's lands that's purchased. There's a lot of movement and motion in play right now. So, that little tweet has turned into a bit of a hailstorm, you could say. That sounds
1: about right. Yes.
0: <laughs> Probably feels like that too, I bet, on your side too. <laughs> yeah. So, for people that are perhaps new to CityDAO or even just to give us a frame of reference, let's talk about some of the basics here. Like, what is
1: CityDAO in your own words? Sure. At its core, I think CityDAO is really an experiment in decentralized ownership, right? It's really asking the question kind of group of strangers on the internet come together and own assets and do things together. So, you know, our proof of concept was a 40 acre a plot of land in Wyoming. Basically, people collectively came together in this Discord channel, did research around different pieces of land, called real estate brokers, got the lay of the lands and eventually came to consensus on this first parcel and that's just the start. Going forward, I think one of the main things we see is CityDAO becoming this network state. This is kind of an idea I think Balaji had of the network city where you have this like digital community and that community can be doing all types of things and coexisting online. And then you have the physical community, which is if people come together in real life and visit the Wyoming land. This Wyoming land is certainly not where any such city is getting built, but right now it's just an experiment between how can you build this online and offline community. Basically, you whip together
0: this first purchase of land really early really quick and you said something really key here that citydao is a experiment is the word that you used there's a lot of people that don't see exactly the complexities that are involved in first of all trying to build any city anywhere never mind blockchain or off-chain i think that in the real world building a city is going to be immensely complex in itself Adding on complexities in the layers that are involved with blockchain and everything that's related to borderless, (laughs) because some, of course, governments maybe don't like borderless in its own way. And it's also very, very new. It hasn't really been figured out. So we're adding complexity on top of complexity. And I think it's really important to keep in mind that that's what we're doing. What are your thoughts about the complexity on top of complexity here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I am a optimist in the sense that I actually think that if the city of tomorrow is built on a blockchain, that's actually far simpler than the current systems, right? Buying this land really showed us the bureaucracy that underlies the current system, where you have a county recorder and assessor, and you're transferring these deeds, and you have a title company, and you're signing physical paperwork. This process was extremely bureaucratic. And I imagine a future where land ownership is just on a public ledger, governance is just on a public blockchain assets are simply easily tradable tokens. I think this is the future. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take to get there. And that's why CityDAO is running a series of experiments around decentralized ownership of things. So how can a collective own a piece of land together and decide what happens to it? How can a collective make decisions about what it's doing as its next steps? We're kind of in that early experimentation phase.
0: Let's talk a little bit about some of the pain points that we're trying to solve here. And I say we, because to everyone listening, I'm just a citizen here. I, I'm an FT holder. I participate in the votes. Some of them I agree with. Some of them I don't. And that's the nature of democracy. And either way, it is a fascinating experience and it's cool to be a part of it. So I'm just a citizen here. And let's talk a little bit about some of these pain points that we're trying to solve.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a great question. And some of them are very practical. Some of them are very idealistic. On the more idealistic side, I think one of them is allocation of wealth and assets. So for example, right now, I think there are a lot of problems with how assets are owned and who basically has the right to use them. So for example, if we look at the Bay Area housing crisis, there's basically this entrenched interest of homeowners who own these assets and they don't have any incentive to let more houses be built. I'm an optimist in thinking that mechanism design and blockchains can be used to create a better future, where we say we're going to have innovative tax policies, innovative governance models that create more equality, fair distribution of assets, and ultimately more prosperity. So maybe that's very idealistic. I think a lot of them are also on the more practical side of how do you transfer assets between people? Right now, that's a bureaucratic process that often requires, like I said, the land and title companies. Yeah, I think part of the appeal of CityDAO is... If you look at a lot of DAOs in this space, right, Constitution DAO was aiming to crowdfund ownership of a copy of the Constitution, which was a very expensive item that would normally just be owned by a wealthy individual. Similarly, House is a DAO that's aiming to decentralize ownership of a basketball team. City DAO is aiming to decentralize ownership of land and assets. And so, you know, I think there's a trend here, which is these assets are formerly only accessible to the wealthiest Americans. And now they're being democratized through these DAOs that are coming together to own them collectively.
0: One of the things that strikes me about a DAO is in the old, let's say the old world, and I'm talking about Web 2.0 here. It's kind of my joke, but when we think about the old world, we have a corporation that's say of a few people, and that corporation is trying to move forward. Like even, you know what, let's highlight Uber, for example, when Uber is pushing forward and trying to change regulation to support a gig economy and everything that they're trying to do. And they did a great job, as you can see, motivating drivers to come and help lobby and and get regulation to be changed. And they took a lot of heat for it as well, but they did a good job at motivating their community and and getting them rallied together. When I look at what a DAO is and perhaps what some of the similar challenges that whether it's CityDAO or House or others are going to face. This is like a mobilization of communities, and it's a bringing of a community to the same level as a decision maker and removing, in a way, removing the centralized bottleneck, you could say, of a single decision maker or a board that sits down and makes decisions together and taking ownership over what we're doing. So I'm curious to see what is going to happen as we're able to start mobilizing thousands and thousands of people to increase efficiency. And transparency in how cities are governed today. And that's a long roadmap. So, I mean, we're really, really early days. And I don't think anyone expects a crystal clear answer on a lot of this stuff because it really is an experiment. But in that context, I framed it up nicely for you here. How do you see the concept of the roadmap and getting to this end result of a physical city governed on Ethereum blockchain?
1: Yeah. And to be honest, I don't necessarily have the answers or the roadmap. I think the beauty of a DAO is it's really governed by the people to kind of set the next steps. But that said, I think the first step is how do you own assets collectively? How do you make governance decisions collectively? This is already a lot of novel territory to be in where usually assets are owned by wealthy individuals or they're owned by corporations. And the idea of DAOs owning them is very new. And the implications of that are very, very interesting. So for example, this new Wyoming DAO law that was passed, it says that a smart contract located at the address, the ENS address, Dowcity.eth is the owner of our parcel. It's 40 acres in Wyoming. And that is pretty insane when you think about it. It's a claim that a court is supposed to look at the smart contract to decide who owns this asset and that the operating agreement can specify things. We're actually hashing out our first operating agreement right now, hashing out things around what governance powers citizens have and figuring out like exactly how all this uh, fits together but it's this completely uncharted territory that we're exploring. So there's going to be a lot of interesting things I'm guessing on the horizon in terms of how these DAOs and LLCs fit together.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And I love your answer too. The DAO is really about the community and at the end of the day, the community is going to make these decisions. It could go in several different directions several different times.
1: Definitely. And I think yeah, the direction is still really up for grabs. Like I think that a lot of our initial projects right now are The community is latched onto this conservation of lands idea because it's easier to implement it first. It's kind of a good cause for preserving land in Wyoming near Yellowstone and preserving land in the Amazon from deforestation. These use cases are, first of all, a good cause. And second of all, a prototype for how can you represent land as NFTs? So that's what our first project is going to be around. But after conservation, we want to start on that next frontier of how do you actually represent true ownership? And we're looking at different mechanisms for that, whether it's some sort of on-chain lease or easement that grants the holder of the NFT a right to use that land. So lots of interesting conversations going on about this.
0: Do you think that the successful implementation of this style of peer-to-peer voting rights in a DAO structure for a city is going to be more capital efficient? Do you think at the end of the day, if we were to do a comparison of, let's say in the future, we look at two cities, one's on blockchain, one's off. Both have the same amount of people, the same amount of structures. Do you think there's going to be a cost savings to a city on chain?
1: I certainly think so. I think that a city that is more accountable to its voters would certainly have uh, less frivolous spending. So one difference between CityDAO and the city of San Francisco is programs are constantly up for a vote directly from the people which has various pros and cons for example you have to educate people more around like what is the long-term benefit of this program even if it's short-term unpopular but one of the upsides of that is you have a lot more checks and balances in terms of where spending is going
0: when I think about uh, and talk about this subject with people let's say about Bitcoin and mining just as a random example and people say oh bitcoin's so expensive to mine and the electricity and the physical warehouses and all the cost of the electricity, and they go crazy and I say, okay, well, let's look at the traditional banking model and how many banks might exist in a physical city, in the city that you're living in right now? How many banks might there be? How much real estate is there? How much square footage is there? What was the cost and the carbon footprint to build those buildings? The cost to have the salaries of the managers, the middle managers, the people that are dealing with the public, the gas for them to go back and forth to the office and back home every time? and then multiply that out by how many banks there are and look at the cost of a city to run the financial system in a city. And and then compare that to, let's say, Bitcoin mining or whatever it happens to be. And I think a similar comparison could be made to building a city on the Ethereum blockchain. Would you say? I mean, it seems to be, if we look at the true costs of running a city in the current model and government buildings and the middle managers and all the staffing that's required and MPs and on and on and on, the overhead I speculate might be perhaps hopefully more efficient if it's done correctly through a DAO. Yeah, I mean I would hope so. I think we all hope so. And how about going into efficiency of decision making? If you were to give your thoughts around, you know, and this isn't really a, supposed to be a criticism on the existing system. It's not supposed to be that. It's more of a how can we make things better question, right? And how do you look at the potential increase of efficiency that we might get through direct
1: voter participation? Sure. So I think there are pros and cons where when you look at China, you say, wow, China's moving so fast and they're building all this high-speed rail in the last 10 years. And then you look and you see, oh, well, they built it all because they have a very top-down dictatorial system that does this. And I think that type of system is fine until a bad guy's in charge and decides to raid the coffers or to be the neuro who burns down Rome. So I think the benefit, decentralized governance can be slower, but I maintain that it is more robust- and has more longevity over time than a dictatorship, which will fall apart as soon as, you know, someone with bad interests gets in power. So I think that we're building something very ambitious here, which is like this network state, this digital and physical community, and really building for the long term. So I think that a decentralized democratic model makes the most sense. Why do you think now is the right time to do this? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think in my mind, the Wyoming DAO law was just the catalyst for this. The Wyoming DAO law basically showed a clear path from having a DAO to a DAO that owns an LLC that owns a piece of land. And so from these initial conversations in our early days in Discord, it was you know it seemed very clear that, oh, look, a DAO can govern an LLC, an LLC can own land. Seems like a DAO can own land. So it was kind of this transitive property of ownership. So I think that this will really be the turning point. And this Wyoming DAO law is really in the early days. It is not battle tested enough. And I would love to see more DAOs like City Dow and Constitution Dow and Krause House really testing this and saying, yeah, DAOs can own these things and it's working and courts are recognizing it and this ownership is very valid and battle tested. Because you know, right now, our, our system is just very limited to this mindset of you have this corporation, and this corporation has these partners. And there's just this very traditional system that a Dow is trying to upend. And I think that we need to see more evolution of the Wyoming Dow Law. And that will really be the key to owning assets on chain. And then once you have assets on chain, you can start to have a city because you have people next to each other owning assets together. So it's kind of like the, the pieces of the puzzle start to fit together.
0: When I talk to people about CityDow, first of all, there's this huge curiosity. What is CityDAO? Oh, this is amazing. Oh, it's so cool. City on the blockchain. Yeah. What is CityDAO
1: not? And this must <laughs> come up a lot for you. What is it clearly not? Yeah. So I think it's two things that it's not. First of all, it's not an investment organization. I think that people are like, oh, like, can I get a token? Like, There's no token. That's not really the spirit of the project. It's not like a pump token type project. It, right now, I think there's a long way from it being a city. I think people are like, okay, when do we move to Wyoming? which is great enthusiasm. But I think that is not on the immediate roadmap. I think we have a lot of work to do around decentralized asset ownership, land on chain conservation. So I think those are the things we're exploring right now. But if you're expecting the city in the next few years, like that is, I think, a little out of scope. Is that too disappointing of an answer? I don't know. Maybe I should say something. (laughs) Maybe I should make it less disappointing sounding.
0: No, I think it's really important to hammer down what it's not. It's not a get-rich-quick it's not physical ownership of land to people in a direct sense, day one. Maybe parcel zero does, sure, but the NFT itself is a bit different.
1: Right. And it's yeah, it, it is important to clarify that the land is owned by the City Dow LLC, which is incorporated with that Wyoming Dow law, but the, you know, citizens themselves do not actually have like a physical equity or ownership stake or receive like any sort of payments. I think that there is some research that people are doing in the DAO into. How could we actually? Let's say you buy a piece of land that makes money from farming or something. Is there a world where the owners of that can get paid out from that? And so you know that kind of falls under more regulation scrutiny. So we're looking into that and looking at partnering with some organizations that can help us set up LLCs for income-generating properties going forward.
0: Yeah, I've I've been a part of the Constitution DAO since day one in a very minor degree because I I couldn't resist. It was a total YOLO, right? I had, and I don't think anyone knew it was going to turn into today what it is today. Sure. I just thought it was cool. Hey, we're going to go buy the constitution is what they said. And and mm-hmm. that was a, a general message that got misinterpreted. It was not supposed to be physical ownership of the constitution represented in the tokens. And that's kind of a done case. The discord's closed, all that stuff. This is all legacy stuff. But it does apply. And some of those questions apply here too. What is a person buying? What did I buy when I bought the CitiDAO NFT? And what did I not buy?
1: Right. Yeah, the CityDAO NFT is really just membership. It is access to the Discord and it is basically your pass, your ticket, your pass to future CityDAO projects. So for example, when we end up splicing up the first parcel of land and doing the conservation project, which for context, that project is basically, we're splitting up the piece of land into a thousand NFTs that are basically going to be representing a donation to conserve that land. And so citizens will have first access to that project. So it's basically an access token to CityDAO projects.
0: And is there going to be a governance element to the thousand parcels that are sent out as well, or is governance exclusive to the NFT holders of Citadel?
1: That question is undecided. I'd have to check with the dev team into their thoughts on that. But my interpretation is there isn't a governance right. Those parcels are purely just a donation for conservation. And we're not actually going to build on those because first of all, the property is a little bit rocky and rough and not great for building. Second of all, there's just kind of like a legal rabbit hole of liability in using this land. And if you file real ownership, it has to be like these easements filed and it is very complicated. So conservation is going to be a great first use case. And this parcel is actually right next to the Shoshone National Forest and there's all this wildlife and wolves and stuff. So I think conservation is actually a really great use case for this parcel and will help us test the waters for this kind of NFT land token standard that we're building.
0: And this really sets the picture really clear for people that might be new to DAOs or have a delusion about what a DAO is and how it all works. This is community run, which means decisions are made as we go. This isn't a 10-year premeditated business plan by a board of Harvard grads that put together a perfected roadmap. This is literally, let's figure this out as we go. And this is a new territory that's never existed before. How do lawyers come to decisions on things that have
1: never been done before? They'll do it, but it's a process. Yeah, exactly. And to shout out, if you are looking for, oh, I want exposure to these projects that make money, income generating type assets, I think a better project for you to look into is Realty, which it's the word real and then the letter T. And they're basically experimenting with tokenized properties. So for example, they set up these LLCs and you can actually get a membership interest in the LLC, become an actual owner. It's this pretty cool setup. I kind of read their white paper. And the express purpose of that is let's buy tokens in these properties and you can make money and earn returns off them. So I think it's cool, but it's, you know, the city DAO mindset is more of a decentralized ownership, voting on every proposal, things like that, as opposed to the exactly right about the top-down management commanding what's happening.
0: And you hit on an interesting subject. Yeah, Earlier, I mentioned about Constitution DAO, and you're making up the realty and It's really important to note that, I mean, nothing that we say here is investment advice, and it's two sort of frames of minds coming into these projects. One is to be a part of a community and be a pioneer, be a true pioneer in something that's never been done before. And then the other mindset is about making financial gain. And I'd suggest for anyone that's looking at it from the financial gain side to perhaps consider looking at it more organically from the, do you actually want to be a part of these projects? Do you want to be a pioneer and part of the ups and downs of it? It's an important part to think about anyone that's on the Discord and CityDAO can see there's a lot of subjects that get discussed and it's a process to manage these discussions. How do you manage this community as a DAO founder and how do you gear it in a coherent fashion?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a great question and I think, First of all, a lot of the credit goes to a lot of contributors who have really stepped up and said, I'm going to help organize the Discord. I'm going to set up this forum. And there's just been an outpour of community enthusiasm for this project. So, you know, we have a lot of support from. For example, Chance has kind of been leading our community. He has been just really great at connecting the right minds, getting people working together on proposals, getting people talking about the same things and helping them find each other. And then Greg has been leading our dev team and roping in anyone who's interested and getting them involved with the GitHub and projects and things. So, it's been really cool to see this like natural enthusiasm and excitement. And, you know, a lot of these people just really started contributing for free and still do just out of pure goodwill, which is just so cool to see that there's, you know, all that enthusiasm behind it. As the person who started the DAO, like I'm really trying to set things up in a way where anyone can on ramp to the DAO, where they can say, okay, I can see how this works. I can start contributing with small things. I can ramp up to bigger things and take on larger projects and lead teams and really get that entire on ramp process.
0: So, there's a lot of people that are fascinated and curious to know about how this all started. And we know that there was a tweet that came out what two days after Wyoming changed their state law. And I'm just wondering, did this concept exist in your mind before the state law changed? Or was this something that happened as a result of the state law changing?
1: Yeah, great question. So I'm working on a company called Air Garage. And Air Garage, we basically interface with cities on a pretty deep level. So we run parking garages, parking lots, and we do everything it takes to kind of run and manage those. And what we've learned a lot about how city zoning works, how land use works, how you run leases and acquire properties and all this stuff and really seen, wow, this is really nightmare process. So the idea of something's wrong with how land works was kind of in the back burner, simmering in my mind. And then the Wyoming Dow Law presented that spark where I thought, hmm, there's this really interesting opportunity to reimagine how people interface with land and come together as a Dow to think about what is the future of cities? What is the future of land? So I think the Wyoming Dow Law was definitely the inspiration that finally you know, made me think, okay, time to do something about it.
0: And would you say that you're more of a technical person? Are you technically inclined or are you more business inclined or a combination of both? What's your background sort of coming into this?
1: Yeah. So I'm you know, a software engineer, worked at Facebook for a bit and then founded a company called Air Garage, which I just mentioned. So yeah, definitely more technically inclined. And yeah, that's, I think the things that definitely give me energy or how do you like add efficiency to a system? How do you fix and solve systems? I think one of my core motivating beliefs is that mechanism design can make the world better. So kind of like I said earlier about the housing crisis in the Bay Area and a lot of problems with inequality, I'm very optimistic that the right mechanisms can create great systems. For example, the US Constitution is just really a mechanism that defines how people coordinate. And I think one of the main things I'm excited about as the person who started CityDAO is, you know, how can I design mechanisms that allow people to feel empowered to contribute and how citizens can kind of interface with each other and things like that.
0: I've been a serial entrepreneur forever, and I'm sometimes really surprised at how quickly a random discussion with a buddy turns into this full-on multi-year dedicated project. I'm curious to know, what was your expectations when you set out that tweet? I think it was, was it July 2nd? Is that when it was? Or was it June 2nd? I I forgot. (laughs) It was maybe June. Whatever it was. When you set out that tweet initially, did you imagine that this is where it was going to be today that you'd have? Raised the capital, sold out the NFTs, got media attention. Bottled. Like, were you expecting this was actually going to turn into something, or was it more like a, a thought? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a great question because this project has grown way faster and just been way more viral than my like wildest imagination would have thought. This project was really supposed to be a few people coming together in a Discord to buy a piece of land in Wyoming and that was kind of it actually. Like, <laughs> you know, the intent of the tweet was really just like I'm going to buy a piece of land. That was really it. And I think the community has like taken it and run with it. And it, that's been so cool to see. There's been several turning points along the way. I think Vitalik writing that blog post about the project that really made the project blow up. I was actually in Wyoming, I think, when that blog post dropped. And I, I went to Wyoming. I looked at our parcel of land, did like a, a quick inspection to check it out and make sure this is a real piece of land that exists. That was probably just the craziest day for CityDAO because Vitalik was writing the post and I was taking videos of the land and showing everyone on the Discord. And there were all these viral tweets going out. So it's definitely grown beyond my wildest imagination.
0: Is that the same day that you put the flag on the property?
1: Yes. I think that was the day from with the flag photo. Yes.
0: So you're saying that coincidentally, the day you put the flag on the property is the same day that Vitalik put out his article.
1: I would have to verify it's the exact day, but it it was it was in a very very close time span.
0: Close enough, eh? Yeah. Yeah. As a startup founder, like I said, it's always a wild ride, and I never imagined I'd be doing what I'm doing, and I never imagined I'd have the challenges that I'm having. You know that old saying: the best plans don't survive first contact, and it really does seem to be like that a lot. And I'm wondering. What would you say have been the bigger challenges that maybe were unexpected so far?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Yeah, I have a couple that come to mind. So the biggest challenges so far, one main one has been zoning. So zoning is basically how land is allowed to be used. And this is surprisingly irritating. For example, there's a zoning law in our property that basically says one single family home can be built on this 35 acre property. And in my mind, 40 acres is massive. We should be able to build houses for everyone. We should be able to have like a common communal kitchen. Like, you know, this would be the dream, right? But most of that is not legal. You can have one property and maybe one shed or something. So if we end up buying a bigger property or in a different area. We just need to figure out how to interface with the zoning laws and make sure that we can have the type of spaces we want. I think the ideal setup would be, could we have a place that's like unincorporated and we could set those zoning laws.
0: And this really plays into the subject of why buy that piece of land and what's the relevance. And to my understanding, there's a time aspect here. Either we're going to be first in, we're going to do this quickly and get in as first and figure it out as we go, or we're going to take a long time and sort out all the perfected details. And I think every team has strengths and weaknesses and and other areas where the team just fills up as it grows. And now on the Discord, there's a lot of people with a lot of real estate experience. And in the early days, when it was you and one other person, you have immense amounts of software development experience. And a lot of this stuff just becomes lessons as we go. Is that a fair assessment?
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And you know, at the time we bought the first parcel of land, we just wanted to move fast, have some proof of concept, do something instead of sit around and there's a lot of city of the future projects and they just take a long time, try to raise billions of dollars and then maybe get around to building something. And I just want to move fast, try things, experiment. I think that's way more fun. So yeah, I think that's a great assessment.
0: I think it really is the right way to go. And coincidentally, you don't know this about me, but I used to have a construction company with like 60 people in it. And I didn't even know about zoning laws when I got into it initially. That wasn't really the focus. It wasn't a primary knowledge requirement in that specific industry. It's something just learned as we go. And I got surprised several times about the do's and don'ts and, and how that all works. Right. What would you say is, a, is another challenge? Oh, sorry, go oh, ahead. Yeah. I,
1: oh, I was just going to say, and you know, you can see we learned a lot just from that first parcel, right? Really glad we spent 90K on a very small piece of land in Wyoming and learned a lot of lessons around zoning, land use, utilities. Deeds and neighbors and being conscious of where you are in the community, we learned so much from that process and got to see how that Dowlaw really works, so you know I, I would say that was you know definitely a worth it price to pay just to scope things out
0: and compared to the total treasury, it's a tiny fraction of total funds that provided immense lessons and momentum seems like a pretty wise investment overall sure, yeah. what would you say is another challenge that you weren't expecting that just popped up here as a big thing?
1: yeah, yeah. I think one of the challenges is helping people feel like they have agency in the community. So for example, I think people will come in and see oh, there's already a core team and there's already these contributors. How do I actually get involved? And so something we're trying to do is start with a bounty board, ways that you can grab really small things and start getting involved, have a really easy first project, start contributing with small code, small design, have regular calls that involve people because we don't want to make it feel like, oh, the original pioneers are already here and there's no space for anyone else, right? We we want to make it very clear that if you want to come lead an effort, any citizen can initiate a proposal any citizen can try something that is citizen driven and very bottoms up. And so we just want to, I think that's like actually hard because people are used to like, oh, you have a corporation where things are top down and you have these rules, but it's actually quite the opposite where it's bottoms up. And if anyone wants to take initiative and agency, then they can do that.
0: Yeah. And anyone that's listening to this, that's part of CityDAO right now, and maybe doesn't realize this really is an opportunity for you to identify your strengths look at the project and evaluate where you think you might be able to contribute. So it's a, this is a bit of a challenge to you guys right now listening. Think about what it is that you could contribute to the project and just put it out there because Chance and other people that are moderating the channel are very good at paying attention to people that want to help and we'll find something for you, right? We'll, we'll find a way for everyone to contribute. In fact, I mean, that's really how this podcast started. It's just something that I just wanted to help with and and I'm dedicating myself to help, but there's other people that are helping in writing the constitution or making key decisions or doing research. There's tons of stuff right now. So it's a This is a little opportunity for a call to the community to take action wherever you think that you could. It's, this is not a top down at all. This really is, like Scott says, is a bottoms up. So let's get those Bottoms up. That almost sounds like a drinking game of some sort. (laughs) (laughs) Getting distracted here. But no, everyone that can contribute would really love it if you do contribute. What about legal? Did you bump into some surprising legal items so far that you're able to talk about? I'm sure there's a thousand that you are still in discussions with and can't really talk about right now on the show. But what are your subjects generally about the surprises on the legal front?
1: Yeah. So one of the things we're trying to work through right now is... I think there are some members who are enthusiastic about can we you know have actual ownership of an asset not just you know the dow owns the asset and you're a member of that dow they want actual ownership perhaps rights to income from properties I think there would be you know a lot of appeal for certain citizens of like you know what if you could buy a rental house or an apartment complex or any sort of asset a parking lot and really have an asset that makes money and so we're currently working with a couple partners. One is called Syndicate who helped us. Syndicate DAO is a protocol that helped us incorporate our Wyoming DAO LLC. So we're working with them and talking to a couple different firms about ways to set up the way I would think of it is like sub DAOs of people who kind of understand the risk they're taking. It may have to be accredited investors or maybe non-US persons where we're kind of looking through the logistics and legalities of everything. But basically, let's say a few DAO members wanted to say, hey, we want to buy this income generating rental property and do it as members of DAO, creating a mechanism where that's possible. How about
0: on treasury management next for surprises? I think that most founders in the tech space that are dealing specifically with anything cryptocurrency related are both excited about the prospect and terrified of becoming the next hack, of having the next accidental, I'm knocking on wood here when I say this, but no one really expects it to happen. And it happens on such a big scale so often in this industry. How do we deal with that? And as a founder that started with one tweet and now ended up with such a successful raise, How does that feel? And what are you doing about that?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. So right now we're using a protocol called Gnosis Safe, and the funds are owned by a wallet that is governed by core team members. And so there's 11 people on the wallet, and I think seven out of 11 or something have to sign off on a given transaction. So that's one of the ways that we're keeping funds safe. And I think there are billions and billions of dollars inside Gnosis safe. So I think it is one of the most secure, one of the most robust protocols. So I think, you know, a lot of these projects that get hacked, they basically have a smart contract that probably didn't get audited that they threw a bunch of liquidity into. And it was kind of waiting, sitting ducks waiting for that to happen. But I'm pretty optimistic that we're using the best tools and have like a really high signature threshold. So our funds are pretty safe.
0: I think a lot of founders dream about being in a position where they have a lot of assets they need to manage. And then all of a sudden, they have a whole lot of assets they need to manage. And it's a very different (laughs) feeling or weight on the shoulders. How do you sort of interpret that feeling? And what does it mean to you?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I think it is a huge like vote of confidence from the citizens of like, people really want this project to exist. And I definitely thought the project was originally going to be a few people buying land together. And really, like this project has gotten way bigger. But I think it's really exciting because I think it basically gives us the opportunity to think bigger and do you know more than we could have just done before with one piece of land in a very remote area of Wyoming. Like now, this gives us the agency to do many more different experiments with owning things together as a DAO.
0: It really gives a lot of momentum. It's been pretty cool to see this. One of the technical questions that's popped up a few times is, for example, why Ethereum and not Solana or something else?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I don't really have a bias against any of the other chains. I think they're probably great, have lower fees. I personally, I think Ethereum is very community driven. I've been very excited about the Ethereum community in particular. I personally just don't want the blockchain of the future to be owned by (laughs) too many VCs. And I think that a lot of other chains are a little guilty of just having very large chunks owned by VCs. But that said, I really hope there are you know L2 solutions with lower fees and everything. And I think for CitiDial in particular, Ethereum is fine as it is, because if you're buying a piece of land, the gas fee is probably not that significant compared to the actual like parcel. So that's kind of our thinking on that. But it may change. We could end up going to an L2 or a- another chain at some point. So why ERC-1155 and not 721? Yeah, I think 1155 was just newer and enabled certain nice features around reducing gas costs when you transfer multiple NFTs. So back before the citizen NFTs were actually, you know, sold out thanks to all the enthusiasm, like, you know, so you would do a bounty and you might get like 3 citizen NFTs, which seems insane now because people actually want them. <laughs> but hmm. it, you know, it just makes it easier to trade with lower fees, I believe. Well, I'm a business guy
0: more than a technical guy. I've led software teams, but I am not a developer and I try to not come off too much as a noob wherever I can (laughs) (laughs) on that particular front anyways. So there's a lot of different ways to govern a DAO. And one of them would be through NFTs and through Snapshot. So I'm curious, why did you choose NFTs as the way to govern the DAO? And why did you choose
1: Snapshot? Yeah, these are great questions. So I think we tried to choose the most battle-tested tools. And we got a lot of recommendations for Gnosis Safe for our treasury, Snapshot for voting, so those were kind of the initial building blocks. The other thing, I've always been excited about Radical Markets, this group called Radical Exchange that's doing all these experiments with things like quadratic voting. If you're not familiar with that, I definitely recommend checking out Radical Markets by Glenn Weil. And there's a lot of interesting concepts in there around quadratic voting. How do you make voting more fair and equitable? So thinking about that, it always rubbed me the wrong way that a lot of crypto projects are pay to win, right? If you want more governance in Uniswap or Compound, You just buy more tokens. I think that's crazy, actually, right? Like, imagine if the American democratic system was just buy more tokens and get more votes there are probably people would argue that that's actually already how it works, but <laughs> you know what I mean? so I, I think the concept of having a citizen NFT that is intended to be one person, one vote and going forward, we're going to implement proof of humanity where it actually is one person, one vote right now. You can game the system and probably have multiple wallets, but I think one person, one vote is the future here and is a much more equitable system because what you see happen in a lot of projects is you have this large chunk of early contributors that become whales and they have tons of tokens accumulated. And then over time, there's less and less tokens in the reserve and new contributors get small pittance of tokens and don't really have any leverage or voting power. So I think the one person, one vote is a far more equitable system.
0: There was a moment that happened in the earlier days of the NFT sale with OpenSea and it got resolved. There was a bit of a smart contract challenge. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on what happened? Uh, You know, People have heard about it, but not everyone really knows exactly what was going on there.
1: Yeah. So our original Citizen NFT contract was using some sort of OpenSea contract generator, and it got disabled for trading. And I think they basically thought we were actually selling land through their website, like physical land. So that contract got disabled. So basically, we have a migration system where you can migrate your old OpenSea NFT to a new Citizen NFT.
0: And moving forward, what sort of top priorities are on your personal plate here coming up over the next few months, January, February, March, April, up into early second, maybe even third quarter next year. What is your top priorities right now?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think first of all, I think these experiments around the land conservation projects are very interesting. I think, first of all, it's a really good cause and we can collectively purchase a bunch of land for conservation. I think that will be kind of the first step. And then second step will be looking into those vehicles for income generating assets. So for example, if people want to own houses, income generating apartments, and things like that, looking into a mechanism that we can say, hey, if a group of citizens want to actually do an investment together, this is the mechanism for that.
0: Looking at the community, what do you think the community top priorities are going to be and that you would suggest they really focus on over the next several months?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great one. I think the concept of the charter is really important because that will kind of help us define the meta levels of rules where it's the big questions around how should voting itself work, right? At one point, the United States Constitution is basically a meta law, right? It it defines how the laws work in the system. And CityDAO doesn't really have a great, we don't really have that fleshed out enough yet. So we have a couple of things like, oh, here's how to make a proposal, but really codifying this into a document that people sign, I think is going to be really exciting. So that's one thing that comes to mind. And I, I think just you know, a lot more research around real estate tokenization, how can we represent ownership through like, leases, easements? I think there's interesting things around like digital titles. So I think there's a lot of like interesting real estate research to be done. And then one idea I'm currently excited about is the metaverse on top of CityDAO land. So for example, CityDAO is going to own land in the real world. We already do own 40 acres, and we're going to partner with a company that has land in the Amazon that they're doing conservation on. And so we're going to have you know this expanding collection of land, and I'm excited about efforts to build a metaverse apps and like games on it because it's kind of like what's cooler than owning land in the metaverse it's like owning land in the metaverse that actually corresponds to real land and if that real land is going to a good cause like conservation maybe you can still build or farm or do interesting things in the metaverse version of that land
0: this is farmland in the real world this is what's that game called again farmville there we go this is the real life version of farmville (laughs) real life farmville (laughs) that's great right on i know we're, we're wrapping up here Let's talk about some of the highlights over the last few months. What would you say is some of the most amazing moments that you've had throughout this formation and the progress that you've had so far?
1: I think the, some of the highlights are just all the really cool people who have showed up in the Discord and... Became citizens, so I think when Vitalik initially came in our Discord, people just didn't believe it was him. Brian Armstrong also came in and minted an NFT with his like Coinbase wallet, and we like helped him resolve a support issue, and it was just really funny because we hadn't really tested it with the, the Coinbase wallet, and we resolved an issue with that for him, and it was just really cool to just see these really awesome people coming in, and I think Mark Cuban, Balaji also have citizen NFTs, so it's just been amazing to see this adoption from some of the you know the, the brightest minds and luminaries in crypto. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's definitely been one of the highlights.
0: Well, Definitely a shout out to everyone that's on the Discord. And I mean, everyone, and you guys know who you are, people that are jumping up and helping out and contributing however you can, giving some encouragement. I think on behalf of everyone that is a part of the City Now project, we all thank you, Scott, for doing what you did and putting yourself out there and being ready to take some of the flack and criticism that comes along with being a pioneer and for gritting <laughs> through it. So thank you very much for jumping in and doing all this.
1: Yes. And thanks for having me. And thank you so much for putting this podcast together.
0: Yeah, you're welcome, Scott, guys, everyone listening. Be sure to check out other episodes. We have a continuous stream coming out. So we'll see you on the discord. We'll see you in the metaverse. And until then, keep doing what you're doing. Bye bye.